This is Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national and international stories, focusing on journalism and communication issues, news and politics. Now, the latest edition of Update One. I'm Adam Cano, and joining me today is Jen Judson. She is the 115th president of the National Press Club and a reporter at Defense News here in the Washington, D.C. area. Jen, thanks for joining me on Update One. Thanks for having me. Before we talk about your goals as president this year, let's begin with the club itself. What is the state of our current operations, and what do you see in the near term? All right. Um, So the club has made a lot of progress during the pandemic. Uh, Our membership is intact, which is remarkable, uh, in part That's because our mission has been sustained through programming and press freedom work. Uh, The business has made steady progress. Um, As as you know, we made an operating profit um, and grew revenues every year from 2007 until 2020 when the pandemic hit. Um, And we've made steep losses in these years, as you may not be surprised to hear. Uh, But we covered the gaps with loans and reserves and government programs. Um, and this last little patch of, of Omicron was a setback um, as we were making nice progress in the fall. Uh, and the board and leadership has taken you know, a long view and, and worked together on this. And you know, the club has important assets like its brand, its staff, the clubhouse, financial resources. Um, so nothing about this has been easy, but we will make it through. Um, in the near term, we are expecting a loss this year, but we're expecting business to pick up in the spring, uh, barring any new uh, variant similar to Omicron, um, and in the fall as well. And we should be able to project a profit for 2023. Um, and we are already paying off our debt using um, operations. So lots of progress there. Nice. We're sitting here in the Broadcast Operations Center on the fourth floor of the National Press Building, and not a lot of folks know that there is a fully equipped studio facility here. And I gather it's been one of the bright lights among otherwise more challenging ones throughout the pandemic, as at least the broadcast side of the enterprise has continued to generate revenue. That, that's correct. Um, the Broadcast Operations Center has really come alive. Um, we've been able to conduct many virtual events over the last several years. Here, uh, it's, it's kind of the heartbeat now of, of the club. Uh, if you're here on any given day, this is where a lot of the activity actually is, since we are still broadcasting to many people working from home or working outside of the club. On day one of your presidency, you prioritized the release of Austin Tice and asked President Biden to do the same. Can you kind of remind our listeners who Austin is and what his particular plight Yes, I'd be happy to. I'd, I'd love to talk about him every chance I get. Um, Austin was reporting on a com- on the conflict in Syria uh, when he was arrested on August 14th, 2012. Uh, since then, he's been detained in secret and in silence. And he is a Polk Award winner. Um, he was covering the country's civil war as a freelancer for McClatchy in the Washington Post and CBS News. Um, And at the time, there are very few journalists reporting in Syria because of the danger involved. Um, Austin is actually a former Marine captain. He has training and skills that helped him uh, uh, work in the difficult conditions in Syria. Um, But unfortunately, uh, he was detained and he has been uh, there ever since. Um, uh, As you can probably do the math, that means about a decade now we're coming up on. Um, I became a member in 2012. 
Uh, so he's been in Syria as long as I've been involved in the club, and that's that's pretty alarming. Um, some, some recent happenings that related to this. Uh, on January 18th, uh, we had Senators Cornyn, Leahy, Menendez, and Risch sent a letter to President Biden uh, encouraging the administration to continue pushing for Austin's uh, safe release. And we're continuing to help work on his release and to continue to bring attention to his case. Um, and I'd like to ask listeners to please go to change.org and sign the petition calling on Biden administration to prioritize this release. We have over 150,000 signatures. Uh, last I checked in January. Um, so let's keep them coming. <laughs> well, I know that that can make a difference, and it's certainly not the first time the club has gotten involved in trying to free a captured journalist. The club, as I'm sure you remember, was uh, deeply involved in pushing for the release of Jason Rezaian. And even at one point, I believe over a 24-hour period, we read stories, coverage by Jason over YouTube to just continue to highlight yes. his plight. And, and he was released after, you know, 500 and something days. So. Yes. Uh, there is hope for Austin Tice, and we certainly uh, hope that comes to a similarly happy conclusion. Are there other journalists who are going through either detention or challenges that you want to talk about while we're yeah. on the press freedom topic? Absolutely. Um, I can mention a few. So Hayes Fan is a Chinese journalist who was working for Bloomberg when she was taken in 2020. Uh, she's not been charged, and she's still being held. Um, we thought all the attention of the Olympics might lead to a break in her case, but nothing uh, so far is happening there. Uh, we're working on the case of Emilio Gutierrez Soto as well. Uh, he uh, is under threat of deportation back to Mexico, and we hope he is granted asylum this year. That's, that's the goal, um, and hopefully we're getting there very soon. Uh, and I have met uh, with some very brave Afghan journalists uh, very recently who arrived in the U.S. Uh, following the fall of Kabul, uh, and we are working with them to see how we can help. Uh, the, the journalists actually are still trying to uh, maintain contact with other journalists in the country who are in hiding but still trying to do their reporting. Yeah, so amazing stories, but also yes. some sensitivity around there. Yes, so I can't mention names or yeah. the news organizations. So looking more broadly at the press freedom topic, since it's something that's very foundational to the club, any priorities with regard to this year and your term and press freedom beyond obviously helping these individuals? Yes, I mean, obviously those are really big priorities um, that I've already listed, but we have a great press freedom team at the club, now led by Rachel Oswald. Um, the team is working to monitor cases, policies, worrying trends around the globe. Um, you know, for instance, we're, we're seeing a rash of murders of Mexican journalists this year. Um, there have been at least four journalists murdered in Mexico um, so far uh, since the beginning of the year. And we've put out several statements calling on the Mexican government to investigate the murders uh, with expediency and to bring the murders to justice. Um, sometimes statements feel a little bit like you're shouting into the wind, but hopefully we have a loud enough voice to be heard in some way. Um, we'll likely uh, have several events this year that shed light on different press freedom issues, so more to come on those uh, in the future months. Uh, but promoting press freedom is a major goal of mine, so I've asked all of the teams at the club to look through that lens in everything that we do to emphasize those issues and to continue to promote awareness. I should mention that uh, the new 
press freedom committee leader follows in the footsteps of John Donnelly, yes, who yes. held that position for many years. 18 came, years, I think. Yeah, came on this podcast a number of times. And, and obviously, we will, we will uh, welcome the new leader on as well. Um, because it is such an important yes. topic. And, and John is still very much involved uh, as a leader emeritus and and continues to uh, help as an advisor for all of us. Yeah, no, his efforts were absolutely tireless yes. and uh, <laughs> remarkable for sure for we anybody. We wouldn't let him step away entirely. No, no, no. We, we, we need him and more importantly, journalists everywhere yes. need, yeah. need John Donnelly and those like him. Um, media literacy is another topic of interest, I know, for you and in the era of misinformation and disinformation. So what can the press club and its members do on its own, but also perhaps in conjunction with others? Yeah, and I think in conjunction with others is, is so important. Um, you know, I'm looking at how the NPC can be involved um, front and center in this conversation around media literacy and, and improving the relationship between the media and the public as well. Um, but, you know, I know that, that this is such a big thing that we really can't do this alone. We really need every journalistic organization to to contribute to the conversation and to, to the education of, uh, in terms of media literacy. So I think it was uh, Margaret Sullivan had a, a column in the Washington Post at the beginning of the year that that just said journalists engaging, journalists need, need to engage now. It's crucial um, in an effort to save our democracy to really start addressing these issues. Um, to work on misinformation, to work on the relationship between the media and the public. Um, obviously, that's frayed to a very scary level. Uh, but this could well be the year that shapes the future of our country's system of government. And we have you know, less than 10 months uh, in change to make a difference as journalists as we head into the midterm elections. Um, so that's not a lot of time, and it's a really big challenge. And um, you know, so therefore, the NPC can't do this alone, but it, it's going to be a priority. Um, and you know, I'd really like to tackle that across all of our teams. Um, I'm having uh, our teams take a look at how we can maybe bring in uh, fact checkers to talk about their process, um, and you know, live streaming this out to the public. I think is a really great way to do that. Um, we're lucky that in you know, this day and age and the pandemic, we've really honed in on how to do things virtually. And that also means that we can reach more of the public than if we were doing things like we used to, um, you know, depending on people to come in and, and listen to our speakers in person. Now we can really educate the public and stream, uh, you know, fact checkers discussing their process or things to watch out for when you're looking at misinformation, um, you know, how to, how to check to see if something is a reliable news source, for instance. So those are things that we can reach out directly to the public with. And you talk about the challenge domestically between January 6th, which wasn't that long ago, uh, I, I just over a year ago, the midterm elections coming up later this year. But media literacy is, is not just a, a domestic challenge. It's also fed by propaganda, mm -hmm. some of it coming from our near-peer adversaries, particularly Russia and China. So, you know, what can be done for what is really a, a global threat? Mm -hmm. um, wow, that's, that's a big <laughs> <laughs> undertaking. But you're right, e that this e is a problem. Easy question, hard places. answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm a defense reporter. I, I personally have seen it happen while uh, reporting in Eastern Europe, for instance. Back in 2017, I saw fake reports from the Russians talking about um, soldier activity that didn't happen, U.S. soldier activity that didn't happen in certain villages and towns, and 
countries where there were U.S. exercises happening, for instance. So I've seen it uh, up close and personal. Um, but you know, misinformation has been at the heart of shaking up public sentiment and you know creating chaos. And the Russians are using it right this very second. <laughs> Um, and so this is, you know, an issue, as you say, near peer adversaries with China, with Russia. They use propaganda as a weapon. Um, so, I mean, it's, I think it's just our job as the world's leading organization of journalists to, you know, continue to highlight what they are doing, um, point out what's not correct. Um, and I think that also involves partnering with news outlets to fact check misinformation globally, to list what's incorrect somewhere where people can turn to and, and, and double check what they're reading. Um, that's a big undertaking, not something we can do alone. Um, but I've asked many of our teams to work on programs that could continue to help shine a light on how to diffuse misinformation um, as a weapon. And uh, we can be a loud voice in this mission to counter the threat. That's, and that is definitely another priority of mine. Yeah, because it really seems like media literacy within the context of a free society, right, is is very much under threat. And the challenge comes from, you know, from everywhere, but also what can we do not just to speak to those folks who are, who are members and who are naturally empathetic and sympathetic to our cause, but really to speak more broadly, like you said, in conjunction with others at a time when trust in the media, trust in government, you know, is so amazingly low. Um, my employer, Edelman, for the sake of disclosure, and others have done, you know, measurements of trust. And, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, uh, trust in these traditional institutions of government and media remain at a very, very low point mm -hmm. at a time when arguably that clarity and truth is needed more than ever. Yes. And, and I think also it's, it's our role uh, as the world's leading organization for journalists is to train, to continue to train our members to uh, write rock solid stories. You know, we have to work at the speed of light sometimes. Uh, we compete with other journalists, a deep pool of journalists to break stories. Um, and making sure that you're getting the facts right in your stories, that's our responsibility um, and something that, you know, I hope that we can maybe through a professional development team. Uh, provide some uh, courses and guidance for, for our members to continue to, to learn how to make sure that their reporting is rock solid when, they, when they're working as fast as they have to work. We, we can make a lot of mistakes and the public will definitely hold us accountable and they have. Absolutely, as, and as well they should. Uh, you are the 115th NPC president. Most of them historically have come from what we would broadly term the mainstream media, wire services, newspapers, magazines, broadcast media even. Um, but you come from a trade media background. You, as you say, report on defense. So how do you think that informs your perspective as president of the club and perhaps how you might prioritize things for this coming year? Hmm. I mean, that's a good question, but, I, you know, I just like to think of it as a beat. You know, uh, I cover defense, national security, policy, business um, with specific focus. Um, does it make my perspective different as president? You know, I don't think so. I'm still a classically trained journalist. I have a master's degree in it. Um, I cut my teeth in community news uh, as a generalist, so I've covered everything from a state house to, to selectmen's meetings. Um, and, you know, I think I've learned to be a leader in my beat, and that's led me to become a leader in at the club, you know. 
uh, since I am covering such a niche, I can be a leader in my beat. Um, so, you know, and I also work really closely with other reporters in my newsroom that we're very accustomed to that. Um, we're not, we don't really operate as lone wolves in, the, in our newsroom. That's the reputation that we have among the defense trades um, for sharing bylines. And that's really only increased. And so, you know, I like to think, you know, I can't do my job alone. Um, I rely on so many smart and motivated and creative people with other backgrounds that can make, you know, my stories richer in the newsroom. Uh, but could also make my leadership at the president a uh, richer experience for everyone in the membership. So um, I, I like to, you know, I think one of the things that I do well is that I organize people to um, all come together to accomplish things. Uh, I don't try to do it all by myself. And so I look forward to seeing what the Press Club membership uh, does in terms of bringing create, creative ideas to get after some of my goals this year. Um, and I'm sure that they will do it and I'll be very proud to see what they can accomplish. And speaking of membership, uh, almost half of that membership are communicator members. Yes. And yeah. so as you think about them and what the club has uh, that can benefit them professionally, socially, hopefully as we emerge out of this pandemic without any further major variants, what do you hope they might get out of the coming year? You know, I, I think that the, one of the things that all of the members really enjoyed prior to the pandemic was just being able to network, um, really get get in front of each other, exchange business cards. <laughs> um, so that's going to be, I think, something that I'd like to see return are, you know, communicators, reporters, targeted communicator reporters events where, you know, sometimes we, we, we used to do this where we would have a specific beat like mm -hmm. national security or let's say you cover the hill or healthcare, and, you know, be able to bring people back together again. Um, there's it, there's no way that communicators can do their job effectively with with journalists without developing relationships with the journalists that they need um, and what they're specifically targeting. Um, so, yay! I think we can, I think we're going to be able to bring people back together in person. Um, so I, I certainly see that. I've also um, I'm reviving the freelancers team and the professional development team this year. Um, I'm, I'm securing good leadership uh, for those teams. Uh, I won't say names yet for a couple because we're still, I'm still waiting for their final yes. Um, but I, I think we're going to see that revived. I think professional development is so important to our membership. Um, it, I, I knew I needed to make it a priority to bring that team back. Um, it hasn't been active for, for several years now. So that is going to be something uh, where we will see a lot of activity for communicators and for journalists um, in terms of events that will help them develop. Um, and then not related to just communicators, but to, to all of us as members, you know, there's so many events that I'd love to see come back, but the spelling bee is something I really want to see come back. Um, I know that that's an event that everyone has looked forward to. I've personally planned it several years in a row. Um, but uh, Scripps is on board if we can make it happen. So let's all keep our fingers crossed that the pandemic lets us do it uh, this year. I think it'll be a really, really great event to do. And the latest on your inauguration? Yes, my inauguration is now May 6th, <laughs> um, and I will be sworn in by the Army Secretary, the first female Army Secretary, Christine Warmuth. So it'll be a very fun night. I'm really looking forward to it. Super. And maybe one last thing that, that some folks who listen to this may not be aware of, the club has student memberships for yes. 
the next generation of journalists. My daughter happens to be a student member of the club. And Great. so, you know, an opportunity there for, for them to get involved in activities through the teams and committees as well. Yes, yes. Um, and that's something that we need to work on is, is ensuring that when our student members become members that they know where to go, what, who are the contacts that they can reach out to to join teams. Um, I think we, we do need to work on just making sure they're aware of what's out there at the club, especially in the pandemic, it's harder to, you can't just walk in and ask what's happening. Um, you know, you have to figure it out in other ways. You have to get Zoom links to participate these days. Um, so that's that's on us and, and our membership team uh, to make sure that uh, our students are welcomed and that they know how they can get involved. Jen, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Jen Judson is the 115th president of the National Press Club. You can follow her coverage on Twitter at Jen Judson. Also at NPC President, I'm Adam Cano. Thanks again for listening. Update One is a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Podcast Committee. You can comment on this podcast or any episode of Update One by sending an email to update one podcast. That's update the number one podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Update One.